of years ago, there was a, uh, a movie on with Robin Williams, The Dead Poet Society. And can anyone remember the Latin phrase that they kept promoting? Carpe diem, which meant seize the day. Well, I was going to term this series Deus Interruptus. And I was going to start a new uh, fad in society where everybody was going to be using the term Deus Interruptus. It's actually a Latin term. It means the God or the divinity who interrupts our lives. And I want to begin a series on God's interruptions. Uh, because God is a God who does interrupt our lives. We can be going along on our merry way. Everything seems comfortable and normal. And then all of a sudden God will, will interrupt our lives. <clears throat> we interrupt this program. And you can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. We feel like that at times. We're sitting there, we're watching a show and we get interrupted. We're, life is filled with interruptions. Being on a journey and you find this great big rock in the road and a sign saying detour, 50 kilometres that way and around. An interruption to your journey. And we don't like interruptions. Well, I don't like interruptions. Anybody here? No, nobody likes. We don't like interruptions, especially when we're doing something that we feel comfortable about. And we have to respond. There's always a response. Sometimes it's anger. We get angry when we get interrupted watching our cricket. I know that when I'm focused on the state of origin, just don't come near me unless it's with lollies and coffee or something. Just stay away. I don't want to be interrupted from watching my show. But life is filled with all sorts of interruptions and we have to respond. And so sometimes we'll put a do not disturb sign on the door. Don't knock, don't come in. People selling Tupperware, don't knock on this door. We don't want your Tupperware. It's demonic. It's too much of it. It's breeding in our cupboards. And we can't get rid of it. We throw it away and we look there and there's more of it in there. I don't know how that works. Mobile phones. I've felt for this poor lady. It's like a ringing in my ears all the time. Try to ignore it and then they send you a message. So stop doing it to me. Stop sending me the messages. We don't want to be interrupted. Life is just like that. Have you ever felt like this man? I'm hiding from people. He says stupid people, but from people. And so life is filled with interruptions as we're going along our course, our determined way. All sorts of things happen that interrupt us. Sometimes they can be tragic things. It can be the loss of a loved one that interrupts us. It can be the fact that we're fired from our job that interrupts us. It can be something positive. We win Powerball. And it's interruption to life for some people. And we look at the, the profile of those who've won vast amounts of money in the lottery and it's not a good picture. Marriages break down, people can't handle the money. But all of these things interrupt <clears throat> pardon me, our lives. I want us to think about God's interruptions to our life. That God does interrupt our life. And to enter into God's destiny, we have to permit God to interrupt our lives. We have to take the detours. We can't just try to move the great big boulder out of the way and go on our path. 
We can't put up a do not disturb, especially God sign. Don't interrupt me, God, I'm on my way. And we're going to be looking over the next number of weeks at a number of different characters whose life was interrupted by God and you may find that they resemble your life or my life, that God does interrupt. And there are a number of stages and I want to give an introduction to the series by looking at the four stages and the first one is, well, yeah, the detours, we've got to take the detours. The first stage is God's interruption, God's interruption into our life. That God has the the right to interrupt and what we might term as an interruption, a challenge, a disruption, God sees as an appointment or an opportunity. So when God comes in and he sees this interruption as an appointment with destiny, think about Joseph. His brothers threw him in the pit, he was put in prison and he ended up in a palace. From the pit to the prison to the palace. Now on the way, I'm sure that Joseph saw that as an interruption, as a disruption to his life, but it was a divine appointment with destiny. God saw him in the palace as the second most powerful man on the planet at the time. But what he went through to get there must have seemed like such a disruption to his life. And sometimes... We see it as a disruption, a challenge, but God provides it as an opportunity. When Jesus saw the fishermen doing their job, trying to get fish, the nets on the side of the boat, he interrupted their lives and he said, cast the net on the other side. And there was an opportunity. The fishermen might have said, what do you know, Jesus? We've been fishing here all night. We're trying our best. The fish are going to come. But no, they took advantage of the opportunity, put the net on the other side of the boat, and there were so many fish they couldn't handle it. The nature of the disruption or interruption in our lives depends on perspective. We will see it sometimes as a challenge, an interruption, a disruption, but from God's point of view, it is an opportunity and an appointment for something that God has for us. The second aspect is that when God interrupts our lives, there's always a challenge tied to that interruption. There's always a a cost involved for each and every one of us. And we see God coming into the lives of people. There will be a challenge to let go of something so we can take hold of something else. And we'll look at some of the lives of people that God has interrupted their life. Here's Paul on his way to persecute the church. He was a a proponent of their tradition. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had the law and he had all of the institution of Judaism. And God knocked him to the ground. He interrupted his life and he said, let go of that and take hold of the kingdom of God. So there will be a challenge in our lives to let go of this world and take hold with both hands the things that God has for each and every one of us. And the third area is when the challenge comes, and it will come, there's a response that's required for each and every one of us. Paul could have said, no, I don't want this. 
Jonah could have ultimately walked away from the challenge. Moses could have. Abraham could have. When God interrupted their lives and he challenged them for something, and the the folk that we'll look at over the next few weeks, each and every one of them, there's a different aspect or focus of the challenge that God brings. But God looks for response, obedience. Accept the challenge that God puts before us. Someone like Moses, when God challenged him, I want you to go to Egypt and set the people free. And and he didn't really want the challenge initially. He said, oh, I can't talk very adequately, God. You know, here am I, send Aaron. And we say that to God at times. When God comes with a challenge, as we heard in the story today, and thanks for that, Greg, yeah, maybe the guy could have said, oh, but I really love maths and I really hate people, so it's an easy choice. I'll just teach maths. But when God touches our heart, all of a sudden, some of the things that we're blinded to, he helps us to see them clearly. Here are these people that desperately need to know Jesus Christ as their Saviour and Lord. And there's nothing wrong with teaching maths. I used to be a maths teacher myself. One of the great subjects out there, just to remind you of that. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, mate. Ian. That when God comes, he helps us to see, and this is what we're looking at today when we look at Abraham, he has a greater purpose for us. Nothing wrong with teaching maths or any other subject. Nothing wrong with the things that we do in life that God calls us to. But if God has a greater purpose, we need to let go of the lesser purpose for the sake of the greater purpose. And then we see the fourth stage After the interruption and the challenge, and depending upon our response, God puts before us a blessing, a blessing that's greater than we can ever imagine. But there's a choice involved. And when God brought the the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said there were two mountains. One mountain was a mountain of blessing and one mountain was a mountain of cursing. And he said to them, choose this day. Choose this day. And we have that choice every day when we wake up in the morning and we go outside, we go to do our work or whatever it is we're doing, there'll be a challenge every day. We can choose, do we want to go God's way or do we want to go our own way? There's a mountain of blessing or a mountain of cursing that God places before us. And sadly enough, a whole generation chose a mountain of cursing. We want to go our way and they died in the wilderness. But some made it through to the promised land because they chose that mountain of blessing. So today we're going to be looking at Abraham and God's interruption to his life. Genesis 12, 1 to 5. Now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abraham, go from your country, from your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan. God came to him at this point. He lived in Ur, a place of idolatry. 
His father, Terah, was an idol maker. His family worshipped idols, as the book of Acts tells us. I think it's Acts 7.24. We'll look at that a little later on. So here was the context, a man immersed in idolatry and God interrupted his life. And he said to this man, I want you to rise up and I want you to leave the things that are here and I want you to go out. The Lord said, God's interruption. Now, when the Lord speaks, whole worlds come into existence. There's not one word that God will speak that will fall to the ground without fulfilling the purpose for which he sends it. And so he comes to, to this man and he says, I have a greater purpose for you if you will let go of the lesser purpose. He comes to him with a challenge. And Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So we can plan our way. We can plan all sorts of things in life. But God will at times allow interruptions. He will directly interrupt our life. And maybe we think it's really rude of God. You know, sometimes I do think God is rude. He interrupts my life when I'm watching the cricket and somebody rings up with a need and I feel like saying, well, just put your need on hold. I'm watching the cricket. Surely that's got to be understandable to people. Cricket is really important. Do you know that God doesn't care about cricket compared to people's needs? or states of origin, that God will interrupt our life with the need of someone. There's a greater purpose. And yes, there's a cost involved for each and every one of us. But it's God's place to interrupt us. He is a sovereign God. He has the right to interrupt his people who he's created. His knowledge and his understanding of his destiny for us is far greater than we can ever conceive in our hearts and we think I know what I want to do with my life but if we actually said God what is it that you want to do with my life what is the plan and purpose you have and so when God interrupts us by putting a big boulder in the road or whatever it might be there's a greater purpose that he can bring into our life there's the proverbs that's important look at that verse we devise our way but the Lord directs our steps. He intervenes, he interrupts to direct our steps. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so God is bigger and grander. We think we see our way ahead. We're walking along this little path and we can see two steps in front of us. But God sees to the very end of the path and God says, this is what I have for you. And so God saw that here was this man, Abram, that had a sense of his own destiny involved in worshipping idols. And God burst him into his life, interrupted his life and said, I have a greater purpose and plan for you. And so we come to the challenge for this man. And the first part of the challenge is separation. Every time God interrupts our life, there'll be some separation that will take place. Go from your country, your family and your father's house. Now, when God interrupted my life, I was happy going along as a maths teacher. E equals MC squared. What could be more wonderfully stimulating 
What an incredible... What are, you looking, what are you laughing? That's just wonderful stuff. Quadratic equations. Oh, good on you, Ian. You, you know, I understand Ian's up there. He's a maths teacher. He says, yeah, come on. Bring on those equations. Don't you love it when you get the answer at the end? But God bursts in and says, no, I want you to leave Newcastle. Why don't you go to Queensland? Oh, what a horrendous thought. What, what a horrendous thought. And so God doesn't mind about our little projects and plans. He doesn't care that he interrupts them and upsets us because he's got a greater plan and a greater purpose in mind for each and every one of us. God says, and we had that wonderful wedding yesterday, that was fantastic, and one of the the readings there, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. See, even in something as positive as marriage, there's a separation to take place, there's a leaving. And that doesn't mean we never see our parents and we don't visit them and invade their refrigerator or whatever, but there's a separation that takes place. The wife and the husband become a new family. Before they can cling to each other, there has to be a separation. There's a purpose in this. Leave, then cling to your wife, then you will become one. And most of the problems in marriage today can be traced to the fact that one or both of the couples haven't done the leaving or they haven't done the cleaving and so they haven't been able to do the weaving. Most of those problems can be traced to that. We haven't left or we haven't really clung on to each other deeply to become one in God. And we see for Abraham, God said, I want you to leave your father. I want you to leave your country. He was born. He grew up there. I want you to leave all of those things behind. Sometimes they seem like negative things. At other times they seem like very positive things. The second aspect, it wasn't just about a leaving, but there was a journey involved. Our life is a journey. Not just go from, but go to the land that I will show you. And so when God calls us to separate from something, he wants to have us go on a journey to move towards something in life. There's never just a a remaining in the neutral ground. And part of the mentality that we have as people at times is we like to stay in the middle. We, we want to come out of Egypt and we'll just stay in the wilderness and die there. And a whole generation did. The wilderness was meant to be a temporary place, 14 days to get from Egypt through to Canaan. But 40 years later, their bones are dead in the wilderness. And a small number made it through the promised land. A new generation rose up and went through. And so when God calls us out of, it's so that we can go into. It's never to remain in the middle, in neutral. We're always on a journey when God interrupts our life. If God interrupts your life with a thought that you should pray for somebody, there'll be a sacrifice involved. You need to separate yourself. You may have wanted to go down to Gloria Jeans and buy a new dress. Or you might have wanted to go to the shoe shop (laughs) and buy some shoes. (laughs) No throwing of things, ladies. Come on. She goes to Gloria Jeans or whatever. Is it? 
What's that one? Oh, Lorna Jane. No? When the lady wants to go to a dress shop <laughs> to buy a dress, or the men want to go to the, the fishing place to buy a new fishing rod or whatever it might be, and God puts it on your heart that you shouldn't go, but you should pray for someone, or you should go and visit someone. Do you know there's a sacrifice involved? Because we're all selfish and we want to do our own thing. Surely they sell dresses of Gloria Jeans. They don't make them. <laughs> all I know is that coffee's not that good, but anyway, be that as it may. <laughs> and so God calls us to a separation from one thing to another. And we don't know what blessing will be in the life of somebody when God calls us to stop doing what we're doing and to pray or to go and see someone because they're in desperate need. The response that we're called upon to enter into. And we see that his response is based upon trusting God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. There's a trust and an acknowledgement of God to have our paths directed by God as we move out to do what God wants us to do, to go into a greater purpose and plan and destiny with God. We go with trust and at some point between all of the idolatry he was involved in, he met God and he was able then to move out to do what God wanted him to do. And so he, he left the country, a big tick, a big tick, Hebrews 11.8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. He went out not knowing where he was going. He might have been thinking he was going to Gloria Jeans, but he wasn't. He left and he didn't know where he was going. And sometimes God will say, I want you to leave that place and I want you to go. But he doesn't tell us more than the next step. Just step out, go. I love it if God would give me the whole plan, but he doesn't do that. Maybe we'd run screaming from the room if we knew what God was going to allow us to go through. So from his country, he left. What a wonderful obedience. From his family, he failed. Genesis 11.31. It says, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. And so we think about Abraham as a great man of faith, and he was. But let's look at the fact that he was an ordinary person like you and me. And as he launched out, yes, he left. But then as he launched out, he didn't go as God told him. God said, leave your family. Don't take Lot. Don't take your father. Yeah, you can take your wife. You can take your immediate family, but go. But leave your father's house. And he was disobedient. Go straight to the new country. He was disobedient. He didn't go straight there. Acts 7, 2-4. And this is Stephen speaking. He said, listen, the glory of God appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran 
and said to him, leave your country and your relatives and come to the land which I will show you. And then he departed from the land of the Chaldeans and he lived in Haran. What's he doing in Haran? He's supposed to go to Canaan. And when his father died, he removed him from there to this land in which you live now. And so he left in a way that God didn't want him to leave. He said, leave your family. But he took his family. And then he settled in a place called Haran. And it wasn't until his father had actually died that after that, God was able to move him onto the promised land that he had for him. He was able to separate him from his family. What a great cost is involved. What a great cost. I've experienced that cost when I left Newcastle. There was a tremendous split in my family that I had betrayed them, that I had uh, left them behind. And they didn't understand this God thing. And so there was a real break in relationship for many years. And the cost was just horrendous in that relationship. And God sometimes asks that. But God said, I will be your father and your mother. I will be your family. And unless you love me more than you love them, you are not worthy of me. It can get pretty heavy at times while God asks us to sacrifice. The separation, but the blessings of it being restored to my family and seeing my parents become Christians. Boy, was that worth it. Was that worth it? It might have been a cost involved, but and, and all the glory to God, it was nothing to do with me. I was just an angry young man for many years. All the glory to God that he was able to break through. How amazing our God is. We think the cost is great and it feels that way. But if we see the greater purpose of God, we would just say, yes, Lord, forgive me. Whatever you have. And we see that when... He went to this place. His father's name, Terah, means delay. And so when he went with his father, he was delayed five years in Haran. Five years. And Haran means parched. And so the, the Hebrew language is very graphic. It, it paints a picture for us and says that in his disobedience, he went to a place that was parched and desolate, and he was delayed there for five years. And then after the five years, and he went on a bit of a detour to Egypt after that, but after five years and the detour, God brought him back to Bethel, which means the house of God, and that's where he settled. He settled there in obedience to God eventually. Wow, one out of three. It's not sort of good, is it? You know, 33%, you think, uh, it's probably not a pass mark. But it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that says, yes, Go off on your detour, but I'll work with you. I'll be gracious unto you. And then after his father died, he brought him back and he led him into the promised land. He went down to Egypt for a while, but then God brought him back into the promised land. And we fight with God at times. We, we fight against the interruptions to our life. But if we could just have a sense that God has a purpose and a plan for us and his destiny is far greater than anything we could ask or expect. Now we move on to the, the final aspect, the blessing. And we, we see that what a wonderful blessing it is. Genesis 12, 1 to 2. 
And the Lord said to Abram, go to the land that I will show you. He was going to guide him. And I will make you a great nation. Here he'd come out of a nation in idolatry and perversion. And God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In you, all of the families of the earth will indeed be blessed. How wonderful that is. If he could have imagined that the whole earth and all the families of the earth were going to be blessed because of his obedience, because he was prepared to let go of his small, tiny plan and purpose to take up the greater purpose of God. He was prepared to allow God to interrupt his life. Are we prepared to do that? It's not an easy question. It's not a a question that requires a flippant answer. Because when we say, yeah, God, I, I... I, I give you permission, I'll, I'll respond positively to your interruption. We don't know how God's going to interrupt that. And, and I've heard the testimony of people that have lost loved ones and that's been God's interruption in their life. And I'm not saying God is the source of evil, I'm not saying that, but God uses these things. And God used the death of his, his father Abraham's father, to then move him on into the fullness of the purpose that he had for him. And we're going to be looking at at folk who've been interrupted by God and struggle with that. Think of the struggles of poor old Jonah. (laughs) He didn't want to be interrupted by God. Moses didn't want to be interrupted by God. Peter didn't want to be interrupted by God when he saw the vision of the sheet come down. They're Gentiles. Paul didn't want to be interrupted by God. Let me go on my way persecuting the church. Until Jesus said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? When God's people are touched, God takes it personally. A higher purpose. Are we willing to take hold of a higher purpose in our life? Something that's more than just earning a wage, having a house and a car, a job, all those things that are part of life, and nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. God blesses us in so many ways, and we should be thankful for it. But maybe there's a higher purpose that God has. And for Abraham, and we see it in his name, he, his name Abraham meant high father. And maybe he could have settled for that. Hey, I'm a high father. That's pretty cool. Not just a low father, I'm a high father. But then God changed his name to Abraham, not just a high father, but the father of many nations. Are we prepared to allow God to interrupt our lives to move us to a higher purpose? If we're not, then we will never achieve all that God has destined for us. And let's not ignore that the challenge is a cost involved. It will be in a separation. And as we look over the weeks to come at different people who God interrupted their life and the challenge, we'll look at those four areas, the interruption and the challenge, the response and the blessing. And next week we're going to look at the widow of Zarephath. And Elijah came to her. And those same four aspects we see in her life. Only in her life it wasn't a 
a higher purpose. But it was more abundant provision that God had. But this morning, I want to challenge each and every one of us. If we're going to see Australia one for the Lord, if we're going to see Logan one for the Lord, if we're going to enter into God's higher purpose, we've got to start looking for the interruption. We've got to have a heart that's willing to respond positively as Abraham did. Would you join me in prayer as I invite the team to come up? Well, loving Father, we, we look at the life of Abraham and we certainly are challenged. I know I am. That at the time you interrupted his life, he couldn't have imagined what that greater purpose, that higher purpose would mean. That he would be the father of many nations. In him, all of the nations, all of the families of the earth would be blessed. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us that you would give us eyes to see the interruptions that you bring into our life. However you bring them, that we would see and discern that this is you interrupting our life. And Father God, give us a heart to trust in you and not lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge that your ways are higher and greater, your thoughts are higher and greater than ours. And so we submit our lives to you today, Father, and we pray that by your precious Holy Spirit, you would fill us, you would guide us and direct us that we might reach that greater, higher purpose in your precious name. Amen. Amen.